Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. So we're going to show, uh, so show some on the screen. 
And uh, we've all heard the expression, revenge is sweet. So I thought I'd begin with the actual uh, quotation. And we're going to read aloud in accord with how we gave our names. And we're going to go back and forth with the people online. What's your first name? Alex. Alex, would you read what Milton, this is what Milton actually said that we call revenge is sweet. Revenge at first style sweet, bitter, long back on itself recoils from paradise lost. John Milton. So that's the actual quote. Yes, it does feel sweet at first, but then it comes back at you in some way. Because those against whom we retaliate will then retaliate against us. The re in the word retaliate uh, means back in Latin, or as in the word repeat, tal, T-A-L, retaliation. T-A-L means such. To do such back as was done to you. That's retaliate. It's the very opposite of the golden rule. To do to others what you would have them do to you. This is do to others what they did to you. So it's a whole different style. Next question. Okay. So let's begin with um, a quote from Buddhism, and we're going to go to the people online. Bob, Larry, would you unmute and read the quote for us? I'm going alphabetically. I can't quite see the whole thing. One act of retaliation burns to the ground a whole forest of merit. Yes, thank you. So that's the Buddhist comment on retaliation, that all the practices that we've been doing come to nothing, turn into karma, when we choose to retaliate even once. Okay, so now I'm going to uh, next person right here. And fight evil with what is best, and truly be between whom and you there was enmity, will become your dearest friend. In the Quran 4134. So that's from the Muslim point of view. Okay, this is from the Hebrew Bible, uh, someone online. John Kirchman, are you available to unmute and read this quote? Yeah, all three. All three. Do not say, I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. Hebrew Bible, Proverbs 24, 29. Let him offer his cheek to the one who would strike him. Hebrew Bible, Lamentations 3.30. He was insulted and did not retaliate with insult. He was tortured and made no threat. 
Christian New Testament, first letter of Peter 2.23. Okay. Did you want me to? Uh, no, thank you. That's fine. Um, a view of God as positive and retributive nullifies any in-depth spiritual journey. How would you lower trust or desire to be with such a God? Rita Ron, Franciscan teacher. goes on to the next page. Yeah. So, uh, someone online, probably. the next one, I'll probably remove the quote to the next page. Let me get there. Any volunteers? Okay, we can continue here. Great. I saw the fires of hell and people were not burning there. All that was burning was what they had refused to let go of on earth. And the flames were not punishing, they were liberating. The only thing that burns in hell is the part of you that won't let go of your life, your memories, your attachments. The flames burn them all away, but they are not punishing you, they're freeing your soul. Uh, Meister Eckhart, 14th century mystic. Okay. okay, and then finally, go ahead. We avoid retaliating from Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> Probably the big book or something. Yeah. yeah. And Alcoholics Anonymous is also a spiritual resource, a spiritual program. Uh, okay, um, this is from Shakespeare. Go ahead. Hope of revenge shall hide our inward woe. Uh, from Shakespeare, Trollus and Cressida. Hope of revenge shall hide our inward woe. Tells us something about retaliation that's so important. One of the reasons we retaliate is so that we won't have to feel the grief of how we were hurt. Shakespeare has this in just one line. As soon as, as long as I can get revenge, I won't have to experience the grief. Woe is an old word for grief. It's the same as, well, uh, our brother just died in the hospital. Let's sue the doctor. When you jump to that, you are not having to look into or experience the actual grief of your loss. So we want to ask ourselves, are we doing that? Because most of us have many ways to avoid grief. It's the most uncomfortable and longest of all the emotions, anger being the shortest. And so... Um, not only do we ask ourselves, am I still retaliating? This is still part of my way of being in the world to do payback. We don't only ask that. We also ask, what am I using it for? 
Is this my way of comforting myself when I feel that? So these are the kind of questions that come up. So that's the alternative to the retaliatory response. Is there some way to keep the connection rather than break it by retribution? This is going to be hard for us to do because it's built into the DNA of this particular gene pool to get back at people who hurt us, to hurt back. That's a natural impulse. It's not that something's wrong with us. It's just that we're the descendants of all the cave people who themselves retaliated. They're the ones who survived. And we inherited that orientation. So we're not putting ourselves down because we have such a thought of getting back at someone. But we're asking ourselves, well, could there be a spiritual practice that would move us in a new direction? Is there an alternative to that impulse to hurt others the way they hurt us? And these uh, teachers are proposing that loving kindness um, and compassion are such alternatives. Yeah. Love means more than moving towards individuals. It means loving the world so we take a stand against the normalcy of violence and the values of the world so it can be a better place. Finding is a method which rejects revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of each or of such a method is love. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in his acceptance speech for the 1964 Nobel Peace Prize. The normalcy of retaliation? 
it just seemed perfectly normal that Israel would retaliate against Hamas. It seemed totally normal that Hamas is retaliating 50 years later in the Six-Day War back at Israel. And it will also seem normal years from now when the next retaliation happens. Saying that it's a cycle doesn't change the fact that people still engage in it. But we're going to ask ourselves, do I want to keep engaging in it if I have been? Okay, let's look at one more quote and then we'll open it up for discussion. Uh, yeah, the, both of those. Um, yeah. Do good to him who has injured you. Talk to Chang, 63. A little louder. Uh, you want me to repeat that? Yeah. Uh, do good to him who has injured you. Tao Te Ching, 63. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Luke 6, 27, 28. Thank you. second one is from the Christian Bible. And notice there, they say the very same thing. Uh, do good to the one who injured you. That's asking a lot. Just don't hurt back. That's a reasonable request. But when you then say, not only don't hurt back, hurt back, but also do good to the one who hurt you, now you're really looking at an heroic spiritual practice. But that's what both of these traditions are proposing. And it would be up to each of us to decide if we want to live this way. Um, uh, as a psychotherapist working with clients over the years, especially couples, um, I noticed over and over again that within, that when I was working with couples, they were often, uh, even unbeknownst to themselves, secretly engaging in payback. I would say, uh, did you do that he, as a way of getting back at her or him? And they would look at me quizzically and say, gee, I never thought of it that way, but I guess that is what I'm doing. So it does make you wonder um, why we would... It doesn't make us wonder why we would engage in retaliation against enemies, but why would you be retaliating against your partner? That's a big question. Anyway, I'd like to open it up for discussion. You guys have any ideas about this? <laughs> You are. I'm Henry. Hi, Henry. Uh, uh, Dave, you you hinted that uh, in our DNA uh, is a, a, an urge for revenge, and that therefore it is presumably adaptive. That it somehow uh, promotes our gene pool, at least. Uh, so, what is the advantage of not retaliating? Um, you know, uh, why, why go against our evolutionary... Okay, um, good question. 
So it's adaptive in the sense that you're going to survive. Your village will survive if the next village knows that if they attack you and take your food, you are going to retaliate even harder against them. That's revenge. Retaliate harder. That's revenge. Retaliate is do the same, equal. But not only in our DNA do we have the urge to retaliate, and it's adaptive, as you said, because it helps us survive, but we also have the urge to reconcile so that we can cooperate, and that's an adaptive practice also. So um, in, in his... Um, it, um, Darwin makes this point. He says, I notice among primates, they have the will to harm those who harm them, and that's adaptive to survival, but they also have the will to reconcile so they can cooperate and exchange their crops instead of one takes takes all the crops from the other. So we have both going on. Other comments? Other ideas? Hi. Um, so my name is Jody, and actually Winnie and I are sitting here together, and we've been watching. What's the name of the show we're watching? Which is about the planet life on our planet. Life on our planet. And it really it takes takes us back to the beginning of life, you know, a single-celled organism in the sea, and takes us through the development of species and the major extinctions. And one thing that I was struck by, which makes me feel that creation is imperfect, is that there is so much competition between uh, individuals in a species that there always seems that it seems like fundamental to survival is the necessity of fighting with and killing other creatures because you are fundamentally trying to protect your turf and it just occurs to me like, wouldn't it be so lovely if creatures like all of us and all the other creatures on the planet were fundamentally predisposed to cooperation and love versus territorialism and killing? And that's why we have a practice, because we're trying to learn to be like that, and we keep practicing being like that, and hopefully that makes a change in society. But thank you very much for your comment. Makes a lot of sense. Bob? Um, yes, thank you. Bob, did you have a question? Or who had a question? Yeah, go ahead, Bob. Okay. Um, I was wondering, one of the statements that was read was, do good to him who has injured you. Do any of these sources, authors, say what that person should do when someone you've injured does good to you? How do you react? Is there any instruction there? <laughs> What's the question? <laughs> One of the statements was, do good to him who has injured you. Yeah. Well, if you're the one who has injured someone and that person does good to you, is there advice how to react to that? 
Well, other than gratitude, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> open. Okay, I've been bad. I've injured someone. Suddenly that person I've injured does something good for me. What's my reaction to that person, if anything? I, I wonder if these uh, authors give some advice there. <laughs> Uh, you mean the one who injured you also did something good for you? No. The person you I injured someone and then they did something good for me. Good to you. you were How am I supposed to react? The person did something. No, I, let's say I hurt my wife, and yeah. then she comes back and she does something loving toward me. He's asking. How shall we react in that situation? Well, you're going to feel kind of embarrassed. <laughs> but I still say gratitude. And, you know, oh, I want to learn from this. This is how I want to be, too. Michael Altshuler? Wait, somebody here also had a question. I'm sorry. Uh, who? What is your first name? Yeah, I'm Jay. 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 Go ahead. Well, all of these situations... Uh, uh, posit two sides to a situation. And the two sides could be one person on each side or one country's army on each side. It's two sides. Yeah. So let's say that one of these sides has uh, an enlightened moment and decides, as you suggest, to cease the retaliation. All right, so... One side is playing the game, but the other side doesn't. So one side withdraws from whether it's bombing or killing or whatever, and the other side sees that the other side has not retaliated. It seems to put them in a better position to so-called win. Uh, they, you know, they, that they can totally take over the person who has stopped retaliating, and they just um, and so it, and so it seems like it would work well if both sides agree to stop retaliating. But what happens if only one side does that? If only one side doesn't retaliate, the one side that doesn't would need to gather support from other groups or nations that also join in to help them. So, such as the example of NATO. So if you're going to attack one of the countries of NATO, all the countries of NATO are going to take action against you. So this would be using your same model, but instead, look at all of us who want to have a non-violent solution. Mm -hmm. so I guess that would be a response. But we're not going to probably be in the situation of deciding about how nations are with each other. We're going to be in the realm of uh, how we act toward other individuals in our own lives. Okay. So let's concentrate on that also. How about the people who were, were the uh, violent ones, the attackers? Are they going to interpret us as weak? Or, I mean, there seems to be... Probably. Um, That's the heroic nature of the nonviolent plan. 
You're going to be thought of as weak. You're going to be battered from pillar to post. But you have so engaged in this commitment to nonviolence and loving kindness that um, you'll be like the uh, like Jesus in the quotation from the first letter of St. Peter. He was insulted, he was bruised, but he did not hurt back. I mean, we're not offering much. We're not offering safety when we say I've given up retaliation. That's not one of the that's not one of the uh, part of the recompense that you will get. You might be hurt even more. But something has become so important to you that uh, what others do no longer matters. That's why it's an heroic practice rather than an ordinary practice. It's not a strategy so that you will survive better. In fact, it puts you in more danger. Michael Altshuler has his hand up. Okay, go ahead, Michael. Well, you know, I'm wondering, in addition to our instinctual, reactive revenge kind of stuff that's kind of genetic, etc., we also... The lives are kind of very shaped and driven by concepts that we 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 think is is the way for us to live well with one another. And one of those concepts would be justice. So, uh, how would you reconcile the what you're suggesting is kind of kind of a an acquiescence and non-opposition to evil with with the sense that we all want to feel like we're living in a world where where justice prevails. Thank you. No, it's not an acquiescence to injustice. It's a, a strong protest against injustice, but in a nonviolent style. And secondly, um, this um, this whole uh, style of looking for ways to reconcile might be. Uh, might be so wonderful to the other person that he will relent and let go of his wanting to hurt and um, become warmer towards you when he sees that uh, you're not going to hurt back. That could happen. It's kind of a conversion of the other. Thank you. Anybody? Do you want to go on to the next quotation? Oh, oh just, go ahead. One, Matthew. Yeah, one, one last thing. Um, you, you, you talked about reconciliation, and now I'm, I'm getting back to just interpersonal stuff. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, uh, nations is kind of too charged. But, but as far as uh, interpersonal, don't you think sometimes uh, reconciliation, well, sometimes reconciliation may not be possible, but sometimes isn't even necessary? I think about when people, when we talk about forgiveness, 
and the idea is a letting go involved in forgiveness if you, you've been wronged by somebody and I, I don't know if the expression I think is is that you can let them in you know, back into your heart but you don't have to let them back into your life and uh, so I think that that uh, that reconciliation is not always necessary uh, I don't know what do you yes I agree it could it could be that you don't let someone back into your life, but you also wish him or her well. You're no longer holding ill will towards someone. That is what forgiveness really means. I no longer have ill will towards you. I no longer resent you. I no longer blame you. I no longer need to retaliate. And I let you go. Uh, do you want to go up to the next? Did you want to go to the next quote? Yeah. Would you like to read? Love your enemy doesn't mean love the person you hate. You can't do that. Love those who hate you. Alan Wallace. Alan okay. Wallace is up. Buddhist teacher, as you know. And yeah, one more quote. When you begin to see the suffering in the other person, compassion is born and you no longer consider that person as your enemy. The moment you realize that your so-called enemy suffers and you want him to stop suffering, he ceases to be your enemy. Take that harm. Keep going. When they go low, we go high. <laughs> <laughs> Reflections, Jeff? Yeah, it seems, uh, I mean, I'm thinking of the movie Gandhi and their commitment to nonviolent uh, uh, demonstration um, or resistance, nonviolent resistance. And how many, I mean, it, there's a long, in that case, there was a long period in which they kept lining up to get beat on when they yeah. went, right? And, um, that's a pretty heroic commitment uh, to to do that, but they did it, and um, it's fighting against. I mean, if our digital, our our genetic code, by default, our you know reptilian brain is uh, inclined to retaliate. Mm -hmm. We're fighting. We're going really against stream. The stream. Uh, yeah. And it's an extraordinary human being that will, yeah. Yeah, this approach won't keep you safe. Looking for safety and security wouldn't be the, the profile of the one who made such a commitment as this. So I kind of disagree with that. Go ahead. Way, uh, I guess it's, it's a shift in the orientation of what safety is. Oh, okay. That's a good way to put it. So he's saying uh, you could maybe redefine what safety actually means. See, I might feel safer in the world just because I live by such standards. It's like safety moving from relying on external conditions of another person to meet your safety towards um, um, safety of 
that uh, that you arrive through, through grief, mm-hmm. through kind of grieving and letting go of yeah. what's not available. Yes, I'm glad you brought in the grief element. That's an important part of our topic. And yes, you're making a lot of sense. Thank you. We have some online uh, chat dialogue. Oh, okay, go ahead. Um, and uh, far back, close, but I believe it starts with a quote by uh, Dostoevsky from Cry and Punishment. While nothing is easier than to denounce the evildoer, nothing is more difficult than to understand him. And then it goes on to get people's. And this is why we have negotiated ceasefires and peace agreements. Remember MLK's message all about love must be and abused in many people. That's a two-state solution. Please share the text. Presumably, yeah. Okay. Where was it? Someone in the back also had a hand up. I um. Your first name is Ricky. Ricky. Hi. I think I'm struggling with this. Um, I think for me, like I'm doing some mental gymnastics to try to distinguish retaliation versus resistance. And I'm also trying to think about, um, I don't feel being kind to those who harm me necessarily means that they'll have sort of a conversion of heart and see things differently. Um, I do also think that reclaiming a sense of power is incredibly important to my own psyche. So a decision to no longer participate in that which harms me is also an act of love. And I can still feel compassion for the person, like hurt people hurt people. I still feel compassion for someone who is harming me and also feel compassion and grief for the sense of powerlessness that that invokes in me and the pain in that. Mm-hmm. And I can also take action to resist in ways that do not cause harm, but do not allow the harm to continue. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, I work in the, I work, I study a lot around trauma, and so I read a lot about horrific trauma mm-hmm. and how human beings cope with it. And I, what has been resonating with me is, is, is research on when political prisoners or um, folks who are tortured um, go on hunger strike they often report a greater, like in post-interviews, should they survive it, they often talk about how the decision to go on hunger strike actually gave them a sense of power, a mm-hmm. reclamation mm-hmm. of asserting boundaries, power, and dignity to themselves, mm-hmm. but also want to be careful that the decision to not retaliate against another does not become a way in, in which I retaliate against myself. So there's there's multiple, it's not just how I treat the other, it's how I treat myself within that. And, and I he, I'm hearing that in the quotes, but I'm just working with it because I think retaliation, resistance, and power are things that are all also in my constellation of how to think about this. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I love what you said. Thank you. Yes, makes perfect sense to me. Um, as far as your self-care, it would be saying ouch and setting up your boundary so that you're not hurt again. So it, this isn't just um, become a doormat. This is um, I stand up for myself. I protect myself in any way I can. But the one thing I don't do is hurt back. So this is nonviolent resistance, and it's empowering from that point of view that I'm not letting somebody walk all over me or hurt me over and over. Um, but I'm also finding a way to respond that protects myself from future hurt and does not perpetrate hurt on others. because I was expecting love from him. And so if I went to him and didn't receive what in my mind was love, he was hurting me. So I retaliated against that. So the way for me to kind of go on hunger strike is to, in interactions with him, not be expecting my experience of love to come from him but to allow it to come from within. And in that way, I can start to see the extent to which he suffers. And I, I don't necessarily claim to have compassion for him, but just by starting to consider how much pressure, how much suffering, how much dukkha he's facing, then in a way that frees me up to not involve myself with whether he's giving me the love I expect or not. Because I, I can just take it more for what it is. So I feel, yeah, I still feel so sorry toward him for the retaliation and do, do my best to engage with him but not involve myself in his mental complexes or in my own. Well, it sounds like you've done a lot of work on it, and I really appreciate your sharing that. So thank you. I'm sorry it's been like that. We have time for one more question. Oh, yeah. Any final question? Yes. It's a little story that happened to me half a year ago here. Uh, the, my car alarm went on and I jumped out of this meditation hall and so the guy who hit my car and of course I was very stressed there was some damage to the car and I was preparing for very negative interaction it's usually like yeah, not nice experience and that guy said I'm so sorry for what I've done I'm going to pay for it, just here is my phone number and uh, just let me know how much it costs and I'll pay it. And I look at him, not believing what he said. I totally didn't expect that. And I look at the eyes and it looks like he really means 
this audience say, uh, and I said, oh, well, thank you for being a kind of responsible person. Uh, I repaired the car, sent him the bill, and the and I feel like, oh, he was so nice. Uh, I was really shocked around because some, like, body shop would charge you a few thousand dollars to repair it, but there is a mobile service that charges only a few hundred dollars. I said, well, I shouldn't really take advantage of him. He was so nice. I used that less expensive service and for 300 and then he paid me 200 more for all the inconveniences. And it turned out that... Uh, he lives upstairs in this Buddhist center. <laughs> I, said, I said, wow, you have practices Buddhism. You have to behave. It was like such a, I told him that was the best <laughs> car damage experience I ever had in my life. So inspiring for me. And such an example for me. And next time, if I do something, I probably will remember that I could not be defensive. I could take full responsibility and try to do good. Because it felt really good. <laughs> Despite all the hustle, this car repair. Good karma. Yeah. What a wonderful story. Thank you. I forgot. It makes the point of you know somebody doing extra, like you gave him the extra two hundred. Mm-hmm. Do good to those. Yeah. Um, so I have uh, his hand up. Actually, I didn't see it. Oh, okay. Go ahead. You want to ask a question? Hey, Dave. Uh, thank you so much for exploring this rich topic. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier that revenge is sort of a magnified version of retaliation. You know, retaliation is tit for tat, but um, revenge goes way beyond that. And I'm thinking that, you know, not retaliating is just sort of the baseline. But then I think of examples of people who, um, you know, they go to court and they, they lobby for the person who harmed them to receive you know, a reduced sentence or not the death penalty or something like that. So I'm wondering if how you relate this uh, lack of retaliation to actually mercy and forgiveness. Well, thank you. And yes, that's what it's all about, that you would, um, something has shifted in you from wanting to get back at someone to wanting the um, transformation of that person wanting to uh, express compassion to that person and that's all part of what happens when you let go of this will to retaliate when you, for instance if you were to vow to Buddha I, I, I vowed to um, give up retaliating and when you do that not only do you give up retaliating but you notice that you now have more mercy and compassion opening up in you that's the result of this wonderful practice so what, what you brought up um, states it perfectly not only do you get this new way of living but you also notice that um, virtues that you always have inside you 
have now opened up and become abundant so that they have become abundant so that the quality of mercy is not strained but droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath thank you so much for engaging in this conversation I'd like to end with a short poem by Edwin Markham they drew a circle to shut me out called me heretic rebel a thing to flout but love and I had the wit to win we drew a circle and brought them in thank you David are there any announcements I'm the host today uh, I invite everybody to stay and enjoy the company of the Sangha. There are refreshments, um, sugar-free, and hot water for tea. And when you're done, uh, you can put the cups in the sink and I'll take care of them. Or you can wash them yourself and put them on the rack. Um, I'll go around with the Donna Bowl to accept contributions to cover our expenses. We appreciate your generosity um, and what you give helps. <coughs> go to the honorarium for the speaker. We suggest um, donations in the range of 10 to $20. Um, other things that help pay for is rent for our center, monthly dinners that we hope to get back to at Larkin Street Youth Services, and our quarterly newsletter, which is mailed mostly to people in prison. There's a newcomer sign-up sheet on the credenza if you wish to be included and receive our Sangha membership directory and emails. Uh, please sign up and include your contact information if you want to share it with the group. Some members go out to lunch after the meeting. Uh, everybody is welcome to join them, and the group meets at the front door around 1230. Anyone else? Okay, next week we have Dorothy Hunt scheduled uh, as a speaker. Many of you know her. She serves as the spiritual director of Moon Mountain Saga and was the founder of the San Francisco Center for Meditation and Psychotherapy. She's the author of Only This, with an exclamation point, Leaves from Moon Mountain and Ending the Search from Spiritual Ambition to the Heart of Awareness, as well as articles published on non-dual wisdom and psychotherapy. Would you like to do the dedication? Okay. Okay. By the power of this and of all our practices, may we let go of the will to retaliate and co-create a world of justice, peace, and love. Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month, and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live. Please subscribe to this podcast 
like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org. <laughs>